Hello. Hello. It's me. It is you. What's up? Oh, well, things are going bad with my uncle right now. You told me that. Yeah. Medically induced coma. He has um, a pneumonia that got through in his system and somehow made him septic. Got into a septic shock. Then his lungs are full of the infection and they actually had, and he had, 10 years ago he would have died, but they now have a device that oxygenates your blood for you while your lungs heal. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Science. Um, he's in a good hospital. He's getting good care right now and it looks like he's, they just did surgery on him yesterday and that was kind of touch and go moment but they removed a lot of the infection from him there um so hopefully i mean it's going to be a long road but hopefully he will Mm -hmm. heal uh but you know it's that i don't think he's necessarily out of the woods yet but it's 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 rough and that's been going on since like uh since around monday or tuesday so that's been happening that kind of sucks but other than that, um, other than that, I mean, in comparison, everything's great. <laughs> everything's great. Yeah. The uh, I got caught up on shows. I got all the shows posted. We're not behind anymore. So that's a that's a minor milestone. <laughs> Speaking of getting caught up on shows, I got caught up on Better Call Saul. Okay. I, I saw Chicanery. Yes, that's yes. That's the last one I saw. What a great episode. <laughs> Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I hadn't watched in like I had three episodes basically to watch, and uh, I watched all three back to back to back, and I loved them all. So it was like mm-hmm. it was really easy to just go right through them. So I'm looking forward to getting to that with Fargo. I have not. Uh, I mean, I, f- I finished episode one, and I'm still like okay, but uh, I hear it gets better. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's not. It's probably not as good as the other two seasons so far, but it's not bad. It's 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 interesting. Mm-hmm. It's there's some witty stuff in there, you know. And like at the end of the, I think what's I think I'm caught up. So the end of the most recent episode, the uh, the cop lady, she kind of is starting to put it all together like right at the end like she's like so she's going to start being a pain in the uh um yeah i mean the thing about fargo is it all starts with with a bunch of extraneous shit that happens that yeah. the, you know that uh stuff people get in people put themselves into bad situations and a whole chain of shit happens right now the stussy the parking lot stussy you probably haven't seen this yet, but he took out a loan, and he was trying to repay the loan. Yeah, that was in the first episode. Okay. He's trying to repay. So VM, I think that's his initials, right? Or MV, whoever, that British guy. Right. He's David being a real pain in their ass, you know. Um, so that's that's interesting. How uh, you know, some crime thing has to get in there somewhere. Yeah. So that seems to be the the route by which that's mm-hmm. going. In. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, but that that sh- episode, the chicanery episode, was such it was it was a you know basically a courtroom sh- episode. It was mm-hmm. kind of a, almost a bottle episode, uh, and 
boy, though, it, it built up because the, those characters on, on Better Call Saul are so three dimensional. You you felt this tension. You knew that it was going. To, I mean, you know somehow Jimmy doesn't get disbarred, so mm-hmm. the ending is not you know right. It's about the about fact the that journey. It's well, yeah, you know the the fans of Breaking Bad. You know, there's little nuggets of joy, and you know when. Jimmy's looking for someone to help him out. Right. Oh, and, yeah. And, and yes. the vet's like, does he need to fit into a small place? And he's like, no, no. You know, I'm like, oh, here comes Huel. You know, it's like, yes. I didn't realize it was Huel until he showed up. I mean, mm-hmm. But that, that, I mean, it's always, those are always great little things. But the show would be great. The best thing I can say about Better Call Saul is it would be a fantastic yeah, show. Yeah, it stands on its own. It's, it's just, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you disagree with. Or you don't put nearly as much stock in, like, I get a lot of bonus joy and those kinds of things, the the legit tech and Mr. Robot and mm-hmm. things like that. You don't, you put Story Paramount much above that. And I'm not saying I don't put Story Paramount, but I get, you know, I definitely love, I, I get my share of joy out of the inside joke, the callback, mm-hmm. the, the, you know doing the tech well it's kind of a it's kind of an inside thing too right like if you know firewalls you're gonna you know see how tcb dump works or whatever and you're gonna <laughs> recognize that they're actually doing legit stuff on the thing well don't think thing. i didn't recognize that for example a battery if you were allergic to electromagnetic current mm-hmm. then a battery wouldn't do anything because a battery is just sitting there yeah. holding chemicals mm-hmm. that's all no it is. i i, I so, that, that pondered yeah. I pondered that as well, but the point is that it's fake. So, and and uh, for all of his smarts, uh, Chuck doesn't know that, mm-hmm. or well, his or his delusion has 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 made it so he's you know he's just not considering it. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I wonder. I wonder if we were meant to pick that out, or whether that's just something that you and I picked out. But the show writers didn't necessarily consider. Knowing them, they probably, I mean, it came up. But I think it was one of those things where uh, the point is not, oh, this wouldn't have made him, you know, because because we've seen, I remember in the first season, uh, he was on the bed and he was Mm -hmm. fine. And the doctor told Jimmy that this, you know, the lights are off with the currents. There's plenty of power running right under him. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. This is, yeah. This is it's all in his head. Uh, yeah. So where where he gets it? So it's not like he isn't feeling anything, but he's only feeling it when he when he's aware mm. of it, right? Because it's not actually. No, no, yeah. They definitely. I was going to mention that to the listeners if you don't recall. They did already kind of show that it's all in uh, Chuck's head, mm. and uh, yeah. The question that I had that you just brought up again was, you know, was the majority of the audience supposed to know that the battery? wouldn't have electromagnetic radiation or not. And I'm thinking not, but I don't know. I, I think not. I think, you know, um, because it doesn't really matter. Because the point of the scene wasn't, did Chuck know he was had, had the battery? The point of the scene was showing that Chuck does have an irrational hatred of Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And that, the whole, I mean, that was so wonderfully shot where he, he starts off, he goes on this tirade and the camera slowly goes in on him and in on him and just mm-hmm. him dominating the frame eventually. And then, and then he looks at the, at the panel and all of a sudden he realizes what he's done. And then 
then it does draws back to a, a shot of him away, and then at the very end with the exit sign, mm-hmm. right. uh, which was buzzing, which is a nice t- nice touch. Um, because it, it it was it was about the fact that whether or not he's suffering from this illness. Yeah, that 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 the kind of that reverse establishing shot that yeah. that's something they go to a lot in Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, it, it seems to me that I don't know who directed that episode. Was it Vince Gilligan or was it someone so. else? But yeah. I mean, someone, the DP or the director of certain episodes, you know, has it has that feel. It has that Better Call Saul feel. That yeah. there's definitely a or Breaking Bad feel. You mean? Oh, oh, no, no, Better Call Saul. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like Breaking Bad so much, at least not that I recall. Mm-hmm. But you definitely get that, I, you know, we've read before about some of these, you know, three-minute-long single-take scenes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like this season when they went back to the same the same uh, customs station. Right, right. You know, and it was like the same deal as the beginning of season two. But they didn't do it in a, in a tracking shot. Yeah. Which, again, I don't think they needed the tracking shot in that season two thing. I think that was show-offy a bit. Because um, there wasn't... There, sure, it was show-offy, but... I, I don't know. I was impressed. Because there were so many people... Right, that but that, that's why... I mean, I didn't see the narrative purpose of having this... I mean, usually when you have one of those shots, the narrative purpose is to show that there's a lot of chaos happening or there's a lot of synchronicity happening mm-hmm. in some plan or something like that. So it, it's to bring that across the viewer. Yeah. If it's I, just to make it look, arty look without... What we, look what we can... Right. Look look at the technical feat we achieved. Right. That's, that's less interesting to me. Uh the opposite is something where in Legion where it was all sort of about the art of it and mm-hmm. um so they were taking up they were making they were focusing on that because the the story itself really wasn't there wasn't anything significant in there. So the point was look at what we can do and also look at how we're telling the story in these interesting ways. I mean you're right. I still enjoy it. I still think, you know I, I still I think that maybe they were showing off. Look at this technical feat we accomplished there. I remember I watched it a couple of times and I counted how many people were in the scene, mm-hmm. and I think it was like sixty or something like that. You know, a lot of those could be people just walking and doing different things. But in this. still, they were still storyboarded, cued on their marks. Sixty different moving parts plus mm-hmm. cars plus mm-hmm. this plus that. I think the cars might have been CG. No. Uh, Anyway, you know, I, I'm like that was hard to do, and I'm not gonna knock him for being showoffy. I guess I just I, I appreciated that scene because this thing is now you can do CG metal and stuff like that. And it looks invisible effects. Yeah. Uh, there's there was a lot to what what I what I like about it is how they do a lot of of Better Call Saul. Is they do a lot of storytelling without. They do a lot of show, not tell. I mean, the whole thing mm-hmm. with when when it's a mic scene, it's going to be pretty wordless for the most part. But you're going to get an idea of what's happening just by just as long as you mm-hmm. pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really you know that's great storytelling. And what happened in, in uh, this episode in, in in chicanery was just this constant build up and this tension where you you're feeling it's going to get to some point. You're not sure when that is, and then of course they have. They turn into a brother versus brother confrontation because you have to. That's 
uh, dramatically. That's, that's what right. makes most sense. Uh, and then you get the fact that their histories are playing off each other. Chuck is expecting a gambit. Jimmy knows Chuck is expecting a gambit. Mm-hmm. So they're they're both you mm-hmm. know trying to one up each other. Good stuff. Yeah. When they took the bat, when they took the back off the phone, when Chuck uh-huh. was like, oh, "No battery, <laughs> I win." You, you're trying to fool me. Because yeah, I thought he was going to be put a phone into him, and the phone was going to ring. That, that's what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you realize, that, you know, phone, especially at that time uh, when the show is set, would have been pretty thick and probably would have been felt. Mm-hmm. But the battery, not so much. So it's a good, right. it's a good move. I mean, it's. It, it's all the all the parts came in together. Like I don't know whether that stuff would be allowed in the courtroom, but they made a point of allowing them latitude. Right. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long we are until Saul Goodman. Uh, I, I don't think we're very far because yeah. I think that the the McGill name is probably going to be besmirched in some sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't want to rush it. I don't. Right. I want to enjoy the ride. But just curious, you know, how far, like the show, Better Call Saul. How much of it is before Saul Goodman, and how much of it is after Saul Goodman, but before Walter White? You know. Well, I, the interesting thing is is about how this character became who he was, not necessarily yeah. all the events that that led up to him encountering Walter White for the first time. So if it only you know if it only ever gets to him starting his like, even the first season would have been enough mm-hmm. um, because it's about who this character is. Yeah, so no, I mean, I would I'll be surprised if it doesn't end with a very recognizable scene of you know. Well, I I would I Walter mean White walking into his office for the first time, even if it doesn't have Brian Cranston in it, it's you know it's still. I, I, my maybe, guess is they're going to end the story of Cinnabon. You know, because they keep they, in, sure. in, in the first uh, the first episode of every season starts with you know a, yeah. a slice of life from the Cinnabon life. It's current, about, current day, yeah. That'd be interesting if they jump. Like, if the last season, like, last half of the last season or something jumps all the way up to current day, that'd be something I wouldn't be expecting. Mm -hmm. Now it might be, but (laughs) that's a good point. I like that idea. I like that angle. Instead of it ending with the bell ringing Mm -hmm. and, you know, Brian Cranston doing some AVR work and Saul looking off at past the camera at Brian Cranston, who's never really on, which is kind of how I imagined it would end, you know, uh, That'd be really cool if they kind of somehow transitioned past uh, Walter White and into current day. Right. Not not even like not how he got the job at Cinnabon, but like his life catching up with him mm-hmm. yeah. in witness protection or right. something like that. Right. Well, in in criminal witness protection. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, there's there's lots of ways they can do it. They could show stuff that Saul was doing while Breaking Bad things were happening. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure there's lots of that stuff. I mean, obviously his brother and um, uh, Rhea Saborn's character. Um, I can't remember her name. <laughs> uh-huh. no, the actress. <laughs> Kim. Kim, yeah. Don't show up in, in uh, 
Breaking Bad, but then again, they're not really ancillary to what's going on in, in Walter White's story, so mm-hmm. why should they? Right. They may still be around in some sense, or, or they may be ultimately very tragic figures. I mean, it, it seems like Kim is... Kim is the the hero of the piece in, in, in a lot of ways, and she's, in this case, being sort of dragged along with Jimmy a bit. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to set the stage, right? Mike and Gus are together. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see what happens to Hector. Mm-hmm. We're going to see how Hector got into into that situation. Uh who knows? There's lots of lots of great Yeah, that was a really nice scene, you know, like actually breaking away from all the established stuff and going with the cartel was mm-hmm. was a nice nice half episode break like that. So that was good. Uh what else has been happening? Well, I don't want to talk about politics. Uh, this week, my, um, there was a manufacturing uh, tech uh, conference in Pittsburgh, the Rapid Conference, okay. and 3D printing is part of that. So I asked some guys in the local 3D printing group if anyone had like passes for the trade show floor, because I thought it'd be cool to go check out, maybe I'd get some free filament samples or something like that, and got free pass. You know, which was like a $75 thing, unless you were a student. And I started walking around the trade show floor. I started like at the right-hand side of the trade show, which was all like this super mega industrial stuff. Like, you know, giant robots and x-ray imaging, like, you know, like scan your parts with x-rays to make sure your manufacturing process is sound, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, there's nothing for me here. Down at the left side of the trade show was all the like prosumer, small prototyping stuff where they had 3D printers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was some really cool stuff. They have, like, if you're talking about, like, cutting-edge stuff, um, you, I think you sent me a link, but, you know, universities, but there's they actually have production metal 3D printers now mm-hmm. that print metal. Ceramic 3D printers. You can print ceramics. Um, those are the two materials that kind of caught my eye. Um, the, the resin ones are really cool. It was the glass one, right? That's interesting about glass. Mm. 3D printing glass. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. The resin ones, which you can get a consumer version of, like a resin 3D printer now. But uh, the way these work is, it, they kind of work upside down. So you have the platform that is right above this pool of resin, and then it uses lasers or infrared beams or something to kind of solidify the resin one little layer at a time, okay. and then it lifts it up. And it does the next layer. So you're kind of building the thing upside down out of this pool of resin. Um, they had a couple of those going at the show. And sure, it's a really slow process, so you really couldn't appreciate the thing emerging from the resin. But, you know, there's like flashes of light when it's going off and hitting hitting the parts where it's solidifying. And uh, those are pretty, pretty damn sexy. Uh, did, I send, did I send you this pictures? This is the New York Times article that I sent you about the oh, okay. the glass printing glass right yeah but yeah um, i didn't see any glass there but the ceramics one kind of surprised me and the metal one being like a thing you could buy already surprised me because i what thought i just do read... with it these are this was a big manufacturing show so rapid prototyping is still the main thing mm-hmm. i mean once you have your prototype then you'll typically cast it yeah you know, or yeah. machine you know something like that but, you know, for a lot of manufacturing companies, you know, 
being able to rapid prototype that part, it's a pretty big deal. Absolutely. Um, but you, but it wouldn't, but at, for like a home user. Well, this wasn't a home right. show, but there, I mean, there was some smaller stuff there. Um, I don't have no, I have no idea what the price point to yeah. own or operate a steel printer, a metal 3d printer is. Uh, what, what, I mean, I, I would love to know how the, do they heat metal to, is that what happens? Are you I, getting it that hot? I or, didn't or ask. You... I, there, there was the, the one company that had the metal ones. They were packed with people, walk, you know, asking the sales guys questions. Mm-hmm. If they were slow or something, I probably would have asked them questions to satiate my curiosity. But since I wasn't a lead, you know, or anything like that, I just kind of moved on. I tried to take a picture, but they had plexiglass covers and the picture was real shitty. You could just see a reflection of me holding a phone up to it, really, and couldn't really see what was going on. Oh, it just looked like um, like a cast iron piece on the build plate, you know. So it was gray and kind of, kind of rough, you know, like what cast iron would look like, you know, because you know they're cast on a sand mold, so it kind of had the texture of a sand mold would have. Hmm. Um, they were just doing like little brackets, little bushing brackets or something like that, you know, as their demo. Um, got a handful of um. Filament samples, including flexible filaments. Well, again, is is this something of it? That's cleaning filament. Okay. Yeah. So, but here is here's an idea of flexible filament. Flexible filament. So you can feel how flexible that is compared to this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So you can make like a little. Uh, you can make belts. You can make bendy things. You can make stress toys. <laughs> here's some more. This stuff has copper powder in it, and you can polish it. Oh, neat. So this is like the same length of filament, but feel how much heavier it is. Could you, I mean, you, you can polish it, but then it's going to turn green eventually. Uh, I guess it, I guess it would. You can keep it oiled and polished, and I think it wouldn't. But uh, So they have like bronze and copper. Um need a hardened nozzle to print this stuff otherwise it'll eat as i went to a um three the 3d printing group in pittsburgh had a meetup wednesday night and they had people from ultimaker and from matter hackers there and make magazine and um the lady from matter hackers they sell filament kind of your one-stop shop for getting all all things Mm -hmm. filament if you don't want to you know buy whatever's on the amazon on prime and the way she described it was the glow-in-the-dark filaments and these kinds of things. They have little guys in there that like to eat your nozzle. Mm. <laughs> They're abrasive. And if you have mm-hmm. a brass nozzle, it'll just blow the hole open. Um, it's 20 bucks to get a hardened nozzle. I'll get one here soon. Kind I mean, of. you spend 50 bucks on, on the little tube. Yeah. It's not Teflon, so. Yeah. So, not a big deal. Uh, I'm looking forward to see if I can get the flexible filament to print through the through the printer. Because uh, basically, the gear that pushes it into the extruder, right? There's a little wind gap there where it, the flexible filament can kind of spaghetti out and kind of not go straight down the hole. So I might have to like, I have an idea on how I can mod it with another piece of tubing, like the tubing that I pulled out, and kind of cut it so like it's right up against the gear, so there's no room for it to get out. It's kind of a, you can buy um, an extruder head called the flexion. And it's made for flexible filament. And I'm kind of stealing it. one of their design ideas, which I think I can implement in my extruder head. And I'm going to try to do that before I try to print any flexible filament. Because I think, as is today, it's not going to work so well. 
Um, got some Pit G. I've been wanting to try this plastic. It uh, is stronger than PLA in ABS, but it prints well. You know, it's kind of it's, it's like a new up and coming filament. So, looking forward to trying that. This one's PLA plus, which is also stronger. I don't know how it compares to Pet G, but it's better than PLA. So, got a couple different filaments. I'm excited to try. Cool. Um, let's see. There was the video of the uh, blowjob robot. I think we talked about that. <laughs> Oh, the autistic, how t autistic are you test. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Because um, it's one of those, it's, it's on, I think, the BBC or something like that. Mm -hmm. and uh, Or Channel 4 uh, website. And I went in there and my, I think you got a one and I got a four. And these are like not, neither of those scores are like autism at all. But I did one where I, <laughs> I said, I answered them as as like the most autistic thing I could possibly answer. And I got a 30 out of their, <laughs> like, you know, full 10. I told Greg that is the real study of this thing, right? Is, you know, they want you to take it a second time and, you know, and try to be autistic. And that's, right. that's the data they're really collecting. <laughs> I was like, the trains... Trains, so interesting. Some of the questions were around that stuff, were like around the trains, were really interesting. Like one of them is like you're fascinated about um, following a river from its headwaters to its terminus, or something like right. that, or the, or the path that the river takes. Right. Yeah. Um, that's my most autistic thing. I love like maps and rivers. Well, I mean, and... it, it it is it's a spectrum, right? So it's mm -hmm. not like just because you love rivers, you're you're autistic. Oh no, but I mean, it's just like. Huh, that's a thing? Because, yeah, I mean, like, I love the idea of being up in Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, at the headwaters of the Allegheny, where you can jump across the Allegheny River, yeah. you know, and then, you know, down to Pittsburgh, you know, and I love the idea of yeah. where it travels throughout our state. And The one that got me was when you're on a plane, you're, you're thinking about how it's flying. And I, not, I'm not often, but I, I answered yes to that because I do sometimes, yeah, I think this is cool. I mean, I know, I know exactly what's going on. It's neat that I can know why this thing is flying, and that, that's why I'm not scared of it because uh, I know how it works. Um, but that's not—it's not the same thing as me like being just amazed or well, not amazed, just constantly like this is flying. I'm in a plane. This is flying. I'm in a plane. Um. There's been a bunch of of these uh, hacks that have gone on now. The ransomware stuff. What the Maybe. ransomware stuff? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's been paying the ass. I hope nobody has that we know. Or it seems like it's really hidden in Europe. But uh, yeah, be careful with the uh, ransomware. Did you see what happened? Like Bitcoin was like doing like tanked this weekend because I think people are. You know, since there's all the volatility of them cashing out the ransoms, um, one of the guys at work has been posting on our Slack channel about Bitcoin uh, lately. <laughs> it's it's criminal. It's 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 criminal currency, and it doesn't matter to me how high it gets because the point is that the only thing it's useful for is for criminal activity. So either you're 
you're in it, or you're in it, and you don't care about that, or you're not. And as soon as it becomes useless for criminal activity, it that's going to drop to zero because it's 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 not good for anything else. There are there are better solutions for every other f- purpose. Have you had Bitcoin. have you had conversations with Damien about Bitcoin? Because yes. he seems pretty bullish on it still. I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, he's. But yeah, but I mean, I didn't want to, you know, I, I can't proxy either side of your arguments. But I was just curious. I told him it could be a million dollars of Bitcoin. It still wouldn't would be wouldn't be any less pathetic or silly to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've had the conversation. Sure, yeah, and I figured uh, um, Bitcoin is uh, yeah, Bitcoin is to me a Ponzi scheme. First of all, you can't get in now and make money anyway, uh, unless you're doing criminal activity, uh, and. If you're doing criminal activity, then great, I guess. But I don't. I'd rather um, keep my stuff above board if possible. Right. I mean, so yeah, you like mining is kind of closed off. You can't really get into the mining game. Uh, trying to think of. No, I'm not trying to be pro Bitcoin here. I'm I'm done with that. You know, my whole egalitarian, you know, thing that right, I used yeah. to spew. Yeah, it's criminal activity. I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there is any use, not not to, to make money, not to invest in the, the currency, but to use the currency, you know, if you're an individual publisher or something like that, I guess it's still too difficult to use. No one's really, t- it's easier to use, PayPal's international, mm-hmm. PayPal is reasonable enough so i guess right. there's very little reason to go for paypal or go for bitcoin unless you want the anonymity to go with it right i understand why somebody might want anonymity for for certain purchases but um is it to overthrow corrupt regimes <laughs> yes that that whole shit is is not happening the people who are like no this is going this is going to free people from no, it's going to be used to to undermine to people and, and do criminal activity because that is exactly what it's being used for. Yep, yep. Oh, you know, anonymity. You know, like Tor, right? Tor is a great tool that was developed by the um, Navy and the NSA, if I remember right. I believe that's true. Yes. To um, you know, give people in authoritarian countries and whatnot, an ability to, you know, not be tracked, have freedom. And the majority of tour traffic, and I don't have the stats to back this up, but I strongly suspect they're uh, viewing illegal content online, most notably kiddie porn. Yes. So, that, um, yeah, as they say, the road to hell, uh, Paved with good intentions. Paved with good intentions. So, um, I wanted to talk about this thing about beer. This thing about beer. Uh, my little um, my thing. I don't know whether we want to talk about this in the show or not. Which one's this? Uh, I think I said on May 7th in the general chat. Uh, I'm starting to wonder whether contraction wouldn't be a good thing for breweries. 
part of the problem is I'm starting to notice uh, a lot uh, a lot of shelf turds out there, and <laughs> I'm starting to notice that uh, a lot of these beers that we're getting are are middling quality, and we're not getting. I mean, we're getting a whole lot more breweries, and the quality is suffering because of that, and that is not good for craft beer. Whatever those people at Modern Times tweet, right? It was Modern mm-hmm. Times who tweeted yeah. that. If you just, if you have, remember, I mean, you could say the beer in the 80s, you could say the video game market in the 80s when just it was a bunch right. of shovelware stuff mm-hmm. that was coming out, um, and that's going to crash a market when there's nothing of any quality or quality becomes increasingly hard to find in the... Uh, right. It, it's it's kind of hard for... It's kind of, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to picture the quandary that the average beer drinker or the average person who buys beer is in. You know, we get in the problem of tasting a bunch of middling beers because we're seeking out all the beer. Yeah, but... You know, but the people that know what they're looking for have favorites, you know, they, they, you know, they probably stick with what they know is good. Then, you know, so there's the... There's a tier of people that I think know how to find the good stuff still. Maybe it's forcing them to be less uh, or more, um, that's what I'm looking for, you know, stay with their tried and true things a little bit more. But then, you know, for the people who are just don't know, they're either going to buy the thing on the end cap or just be scary like overwhelmed right by yeah i mean and then if they're like you know if they don't know the you know the the adventurous ones of those are going to get beat down with shelf turds yeah and and there is a real problem in that the big complaint and the big uh rallying cry against major breweries is shelf space right shelf space shelf space if the shelves are being filled with a bunch of shit then that is more of a problem Right, if if mm-hmm. the shelves are being filled, but the stuff that's that's being that's filling the shelves are is not quality, then y- you know you're you're winning one argument and and losing the war. Right. Yeah, it's. It'll be curious to see how that shakes out because I think that. My prediction is that this show will last through a big craft beer bump. We start at the beginning. <laughs> when we get in the bump, we're going to go through a, a period of contraction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of... I don't know. I, maybe... I, I want to ask some questions with some people, see if I can. we can have a good conversation yeah. with maybe the Brewers Association or some brewer. I mean... If the Brewer Association is, I love them, but they're a lobbying group. They're they're, they're not they're, going I to. I know they're a lobbying group. In but someone there has to be wargaming a turndown. Yeah, but why would they talk to us about right, it? Right, right. Um, I'm sure that's, that's a consideration. And yeah, what if they're they'd be silly not to be at least yeah. doing. Something. But it's also not in their interest to right. Um, Say it's coming. 
Right, they're in their interest to say no. Things are stronger than ever, and and, and the fundamentals look completely strong. Yeah, so they're not the right people to talk to, most yeah. likely. Um, I think this is something we could do a one of the um, roundtable shows on. Yeah, because we could if we could hear from more people. You know, uh, obviously we get our our set of stuff, and we yeah. know our different stuff. levels of. Um, Different kinds of shoppers, yeah. Right. I want to hear from different kinds of shoppers, and how they feel. With uh, yeah, know, maybe we a, should th- a thousand a thousand brands. It does sound like a thousand brand beer section becoming yeah. the norm. So I'll bring up the shelf space on the main show, so that we could do a little bit talking about this because I think it is something that uh, mm-hmm. needs need you know if no one's going to say it then I, then then I'm going to say it. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, I guess I, I want to do some more. I mean, we did some good um, sciencey, more theory stuff that was less, you know, mathy in, in, in the post show. I want to mm-hmm. bring up some more stuff in the post show. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up an idea uh, that I'm kind of playing around with that I haven't for I haven't figured out in my head. So I want to sort of walk you where I am with it, and maybe we can figure out what. Uh, what it's leading to or if it's leading anywhere. Okay. It's about light. That damn light. All right. All right.